0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Faith Chapel podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Hello everybody, my name is Nate, if I haven't met you, and welcome, so happy you're here. Anybody watching online, thanks for joining us as well, really um, honored that you do this. So we're in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians, Uh, just a little catch up, it's a book written in the mid-50s AD, it's written by the Apostle Paul to a group of people who live in the ancient city of Corinth. Corinth had been a part of the Greek empire for many years, now it is a part of the Roman empire. And Paul had been there about two years before. He had spent a year and a half of his life on these mul- multiple missionary journeys. Well, one of the places he ended up was Corinth. And he began to proclaim what the early church called the good news. We translate it the gospel. And the good news about who God is and that sin is taken care of and that Jesus came and lived a life that human beings couldn't live. And he took upon himself all of our failings. He died on a cross, was buried, but then is resurrected. So when they heard that good news, there was a big group of people in Corinth who said, We're in. We want to become followers of Jesus. So one of the unique things about this church is it's the first church in the New Testament that is made up predominantly of non Jewish people. So Paul was a Jew, Jesus and his companions were Jews. And typically when they travel the world, they find God-fearing Jews and those would be the early adapters to the message of Jesus. But in Corinth, it's just all these people that have a completely different background. And so the book of 1 Corinthians is written in response to a letter that the believers in Corinth send to Paul. And here's kind of what's happening. It's been a couple of years for them now. And as they're following Jesus... They're finding that there are all these challenges with their cultural values, with their old religious belief systems. And Paul is trying to help them figure out what do we need to leave behind in order for this new life of being a disciple, a follower of the teacher, the rabbi Jesus. And so in the previous chapters, Paul's talked about relationships. He's talked about human sexuality. He's talked about interpersonal conflict and said, now as you follow Jesus, here's some, some answers to some of your questions. Well, at the end of chapter nine, it's kind of like right in the middle of the book and Paul gives this analogy. It kind of comes out of nowhere as you're reading it, but it's an analogy to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. So it's been a few years and the people in Corinth had responded to this idea that God loves human beings and has forgiven them with such passion and excitement. And it was like, yes, we're in, we're following Jesus. But now it's been a few years and some of their passion has dissipated. And they're not as excited as they used to be. And they're finding like, boy, this is kind of a grind. And so this is the analogy that Paul gives them. And he's going to use something that they would have understood. Outside of their city, um, they're on the Ithmus, it's like a, a, a long stretch of land. This is where Corinth is located. And in 582 B.C., 582 B.C., the city of Corinth started a series of athletic games called the Ithmian Games. And it happened every other year. So the Olympics started in Athens. And this happened the year before and then the year after the Olympics and people would travel from all over. In fact, I want to show you a picture so that we can understand the context and why Paul uses this analogy. This is one of the ancient stadiums that's found just outside of Corinth. So 582 B.C., people come together. They begin to gather. Something tragic happened in 146 B.C. Rome came in and destroyed Corinth, destroyed these actual stadiums. In 40 A.D., so only 15 years before what we're going to read, They reinstituted the Ithmian Games after a 100-year hiatus, and they rebuilt all these stadiums. So here in the stadium, you can tell some has been filled in. These would have been seats. But they call this a a hippodrome. So hippo in Greek is horse. So one of the highlights was the horse races. And, I mean, if you've seen any of the old movies, does anybody ever feel guilty when they not watch NASCAR? And if you're not like a NASCAR guy, you're like, I wonder if a crash is going to happen. Because the crashes are pretty cool. Like you hope no one gets hurt and you feel a little bit dirty that you're like, is somebody going to crash? Well, you came to these games to watch the crashes. So you can see how tight these turns are. So horseback and then chariots and they're flying through here. And at every turn, somebody fell. A horse tripped and the crowd's like, ah! And then it wasn't just horse races. It was running races. So they had the marathon which people still run today. And then they have what they called the stadia. The stadia was a measurement. It's about 108 meters. It's where we get our 100-yard dash or 100-meter run from. That would happen in here. And then they had boxing. They had wrestling. By the way, I was a wrestler growing up through high school and helped coach a little bit in college. And um, you're always a little bit self-conscious about the out- outfit that wrestlers have to wear. Like Some of you are like, oh, yeah. The singlet, hey, it was way better than what they did. In Greek times, you wrestle with nothing, okay? So they're super conservative nowadays. So they wrestle, and then they had this crazy sport called the pancreaton. And it was a hand-to-hat combat sport with, like, no rules. And the way you won is the opponent could no longer get up. It was just a bloody, bloody, brutal sport. So every other year this happened, and this was a huge part of Corinthian culture. They celebrated it. People came from all over the empire to compete, and it was like your city, and these were your people. So Paul is going to tie this next section in with this whole idea of athletic event, and he is going to try to help the people in Corinth to think differently about what it means to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. It is not about a sprint. It's something so much more. So let's read together. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, we'll begin at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Okay, like, it's a little bit different. You know, there's like a participational word. He's like, we're not just out here just to participate. If you're going to run this race with Jesus, why not give it everything you can, You have? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Next verse, please. Everyone who competes in the games, okay, these Ithmian games, goes into strict training. You do not decide the night before the marathon that you want to run the marathon. Now, you know what I want to do tomorrow. I want to run 26 miles. That sounds fun. It just isn't going to work. You don't enter into the uh, boxing games without ever training. Like, no, no, there's this whole process, a ramp up. You go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it when you're following Jesus to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize, the prize. Okay, wherever you're at in your own spiritual journey, I know we have people, we call it being spiritually unresolved. You're not sure what you believe. I love this. Because Paul's saying this, you're going to want to count the cost. Paul's not talking about a little sprint. He's talking about a lifetime of training and preparing to be a follower of Jesus. So if that's you and you're kind of on that spot where you're like, I don't know, do, do, do I want to surrender my life to Jesus? You got to think about this. Paul's saying it's for the rest of your life. You're involved in this journey. Now, for all of us who have been following Jesus for a while, I hope that you walk away hearing this. God's saying, hey, just keep going. Just keep going. This isn't a sprint. This is something more. So here's five phrases from this passage that Paul is communicating to the people in Corinth, trying to help them gain a better, more accurate perspective on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Number one is this. It's the word focus. Focus. Two verses. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Okay? Now Paul also says this. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly I do not fight like a boxer beating the air I don't know about you but aimless running sounds like one of the most dreadful things that anyone could ever be a part of Um, I have a friend he's an older guy he's told me this joke probably 40 times he'll go yeah uh, I always thought about taking up running but I never saw anyone who looked like they were enjoying it so I avoided it right I do not feel really qualified to talk to you about running. It was never my forte. Although I did have this funny little window when I was like 29 to 32, where I thought I'm gonna get into running. And so I trained, I ran 5Ks, I ran a couple 10Ks, and it was just brutal. And people would talk to you about the elusive runner high. I chased it for like three or four years, never found it. I just found misery and pain and sore knees. But I got into, like when I started getting into races, I looked for races, I don't know if you know this or not, but they have races that have a Clydesdale division, and it's for people who weigh over 200 pounds. And I would like, oh yeah, I'm in that one, because it is not fair for me to race against a guy that weighs 155 pounds. And so it was just all the big guys, and you could hear us coming, like 20 minutes, 20 minutes after everybody finishes, like, boom, boom, and it's just 200 pound guys like ah, 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 as fast as we could. So I'm not a qualified runner, but I do know this. You have to have focus because there's a route in every race. There is a route when you train, you don't just like wake up in the morning and say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to run the molt because you got to get back, right? You have a route. People have GPSs. They have a plan. If you're going to plan on running like a marathon, have you ever seen anybody? They start little. You start with so many miles. You build up. You do a long day. Then you rest. And the whole thing is to amp up to this place where you can run 26 miles with as little pain as possible. So here's what Paul's saying. There are different races out there. There's the races that culture sets up, which seem very normal. It's the race for financial security, the race for notoriety or respect and culture. You can be involved in the race to find as much security as I possibly can to just live a safe life. You, you can be involved in a race where I'm just trying to look good with everybody else. Apostles, when you sign up to follow Jesus, you sign up for a really different race. It's countercultural. All those things are not what you're trying to achieve. You're focused on a prize. And you, you, you don't want to get distracted. And so apparently what's happening for these people in Corinth is they started off the race, but they're, well, maybe I'll do this for a while, right? Paul says, no, I, I want you to focus on that thing that so enamored you, that person of Jesus that so captured your heart. What is God calling you to? It's called this race of discipleship, of following him. And yeah, there will be hills that you never anticipated. There will be difficulties that you'd hoped wouldn't be there. But you keep running the race. You stay focused. And part of this idea of focus is this phrase. Have you ever heard this, that good is the enemy of the best? I think one of the races we can get on is there are good things that are intriguing to us and we actually lose the focus of the best, which is the race of following Jesus. So focus is very, very essential. Here's the second phrase that Paul brings out. Hard work or strict training. Hard work or strict training. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. There is a preparation that you have to go through. Now, one of the challenges and one of the things I find in spiritual life all the time is that we confuse trying and training, okay? Very significant difference, trying and training. Trying says you just try something and then you failed and you can always say, well, I tried that once. So trying is, well, I'm, I'm gonna try to learn how to read the Bible. That's part of my hard work, that's part of my strict training. So I tried to read the Bible, but look, my Bible now has this whole like wrinkly round spot. And it's where I fell asleep and drooled on my Bible and all those pages stick together. I tried and I failed. And when you try, when your mentality is trying, then you fail and you're like, I can't do that. I can't pray. I'm going to try to be a loving person. I tried and I lost my temper. Didn't work for me. I am going to try to have like a right way of thinking, a positive way of thinking. I'm, I'm not going to try not to objectify people sexually. I'm going to try. And you try it one day, and it's like that didn't work. Trying is not training. Training is this. Training is God. I'm going to step out, and I'm just going to do a little bit. And I took a tiny step, and I'm going to. I'm just going to celebrate that. I'm like yes. I I, I improved a little bit today. I'm going to try to grab hold of my thinking and not let my mind go to places where it's gone in the past. And so I'm going to try. Whoa, I just made it through two hours without negative thinking or self-destructive behavior. I'm going to try. So everybody wishes that miracles happen the minute that you follow Jesus. And sometimes they do. I've been doing this for a while and I can count on one hand the people who have maybe dealt with addiction in the past and I've, like, I've had people look me in the eyes and say the minute I said yes to Jesus like my addictions went away it was gone and I was completely free. I could give you tens of thousands of people who said I said yes to Jesus and then I had to train hard work where I worked a program, I prayed for God's healing. I asked him to restore me and I gained a day of sobriety. Then I gained a week of sobriety. I had this mind that was all confused and it was unhealthy and it, it looked at people as objects and commodities. And every day I just tried a little bit more. It's called, oftentimes we call it spiritual warfare where you say, hey, I'm going to retrain my mind. I'm going to take incremental steps forward. And here's what seems to be happening with the Corinthians and it happens with us is, hey, I tried. I tried to be a godly person. Here's the terrible news. Godliness never comes naturally. It just doesn't. There's this thing within every human being. Paul in other places calls it your sin nature or your old nature and it's about your instincts, and it's about self-preservation, and every human being is inherently selfishness, selfish by nature. And Paul says this, I'm going to train. I'm going to put in the hard work. I'm going to say yes. Hard work is about saying yes to certain things. And here's the brilliant news. You and I do not have to do this alone. God has sent his spirit. Jesus said, I'm gonna send you my spirit who will teach you and mentor you. So every day I'm like, God, help me, help me. I'm gonna take the right step. I'm gonna do the little bit I can. And the spirit of God is like, that is it. That's, That's my boy. That's my girl. You're making steps. And so here's one of the most astounding things about faith. When you follow Jesus, if you live to be 100 years old, even if you can't walk around the room anymore, you're still in training. You're still being shaped and formed and morphed into the image of Jesus. It is this lifelong adventure that we get to be a part of. So the second thing is hard work and strict training. Here's the third thing. Self-discipline. Okay, self-discipline. Paul says this. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So self-discipline is about saying no, okay? saying no to things that I want, that seem natural, that I am very used to. And Paul says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Here's the problem. We're typically slaves to our body. We're typically slaves to our old nature, to our urges, our selfishness, our self-preservation. And Paul says, here's what I'm going to do, is I am going to be self-disciplined. And when my old nature calls out and says, get even, well, my new nature says, forgive. And I'm going to strike a blow to my old selfish ways. And I'm going to say, no, I am now a person who doesn't harbor resentment. I'm going to train to be forgiving. I'm going to train to be loving. I, in the past, could be, I've always been passive. I've never stepped up to my responsibilities. Listen, I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to enter into strict training. I'm going to force that down, and I'm going to make it a slave, and I'm going to step up to my responsibilities i'm going to say yes to jesus i'm going to say yes to obedience so paul says in this journey you've got to jump into this hard work this self-discipline where you just you tell your old nature who's boss that's not me anymore i don't live like that anymore and paul brings up this whole idea of um Disqualification right after this. It's because here's what I don't want to have happen. I I don't want to like be disqualified. So we can read that, and it's easy to get fearful, meaning that you know at some point guys like, You're done. <laughs> You're out of here. Paul's just saying this: like in every race, every event, there's rules. So if you wanted to run a marathon, can you say, you know what? I'm just gonna run a two-mile marathon. No. Like there, there's there's rules. And Paul says, what I don't want to have happen is in my pursuit of Jesus, I just, I make up my own rules and I head in a new direction because I'll never actually finish the race. So self-discipline. So this training versus trying. So, so often I feel like so many of us just get spiritually discouraged. Like we want to be more godly. We want to be all more loving and more forgiving and wanna be free, but we got all this stuff that's happening in us. And Paul's saying this to the Corinthians, he's saying, just keep going. I, you're messy right now, but your church is two years old. But if, if you could say yes to the right things, if you could say no to the, to the wrong things, what will happen is you'll start moving forward. And it's like a day by day journey. So for some of us, maybe we feel like our progress is a little arrested, right? Paul just says, just keep moving one foot ahead of the other. Do do you remember, some of you guys are so young, you won't remember this, but there was this crazy fitness fad. Actually made it into the Olympics. Do you remember power walking? (laughs) Like perhaps the most awkward thing I've ever seen human beings do. If you you weren't around for that, I'll do my best imitation. It's like butt out, and then you just... (laughs) right and it made it into the olympics and i remember even as a kid watching the olympics i'm like no that shouldn't be there somewhere between walking and running mark johnson he just grabbed me between services and he said you know in seventh grade i was in the lead in a power walking race and it was going to be the first prize i ever won but one of the rules is is you had to strike heel toe he said, I was trying to go so fast at the end, I went right to my toe, and they disqualified me. Poor Mark. Somebody buy Mark a trophy, okay? Buy Mark a trophy. When it comes to your spiritual journey, man, walk, power walk, run. But the point is, is that I am always in pursuit of God. I'm saying, no, 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 no. My own fleshly desires, they're not in charge anymore. I say no to them so I can say yes to the right things. Now, here's the fourth word, endurance. Endurance, which, I mean, it's just, it's a difficult word. It's a brutal word. You can't read that word and not think, ugh, long, difficult times. Some of us are at the starting line. Right? You're just trying to figure out is this is this gonna be my race in life? Am I gonna be on the success race or am I gonna be on the notoriety race? Or am I gonna be on the race? Here's what I think about what, what being a disciple is about. It gives you purpose. I think it's about the real things in life. I think there's a sense of fulfillment like nothing else I've ever known. Like to me, my faith in Jesus makes sense, and if it makes sense, I can endure whatever. And some of us, you've gone through a really hard season. It's painful. And you feel like you're just like barely moving. Well, you keep moving forward because you have endurance. Endurance is different than passion. I think for years, I probably preferred passion over endurance. Passion is when you're just, you know, like, yes, I love this. Passion is what you do in a sprint. Right, You just throw yourself 100% into it. But if you're going to run a marathon, you do not run the first 100 meters as fast as you can. That is a recipe for you know, destruction. So endurance is something I just, I've come to appreciate. People who, whatever comes against them, whatever headwind, whatever pain, they just keep following Jesus. Our youngest is still at home, and he's in track. So I'm going to track meets right now. And on Thursday, I got to go to a track meet. My son was done with his events. It was a mile, right, a mile race. And even from the start, you could tell, like, some of these kids look very, very gifted athletically, and some didn't. Like, they just didn't look gifted. This is what I love about track. Gun went off and there was two 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 young ladies who were just incredibly fast and they just you know it looks effortless and they're just flying through and there's this one gal just she was not natural she was barely moving and you know who my attention was drawn towards that kid she was lapped by everybody just four four laps last lap she's the only person left on the track and there's like some daddy thing in me that I got right up to the fence and you just I'm like you can do this you're awesome you're trying I love watching people run so much better than running right <laughs> I'm like you can do this she's on the track by herself but she was determined like everything in me thought man I think I'd quit like if everybody else had already finished and I've got like all this time by myself, everybody's kind of looking at you like, hurry up, we got the next race to run. I thought, this girl's my hero. Because she is just going to keep going. She will not give up. And just as a just as a fan, as a spectator, I was like, I'm so proud of her. This, this, I think, is what endurance is all about. Endurance only makes sense when we realize that your creator. He's not. You're not competing against Mother Teresa. He's looking at you and like, oh man, that's my boy. Keep shuffling. That's my girl. Speed up into a power walk. You can do this. It's endurance It's saying, yeah, I just, I keep following. I keep, I keep in training. I, I don't feel like I've ever arrived. And it brings us to the very last word. And this is the most important one. Because if you look at self-discipline, if you look at strict training, if you look at focus, these are all difficult things. Unless it's coupled with this. And the last word is hope. Hope. Paul says, the only way that this is worth it, because the Corinthians probably read this and thought, man, that sounds like a brutal race. Paul says, but it's worth it. Why? Because they, the people that compete in the Isthmian games, do it to get a crown." that will not last. But we, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Let me show you a picture. These are um, two types of crowns. One on the right is the crown you'd win if you were involved in the Olympics. And with this came notoriety. Typically a statue was made in your honor for posterity's sake. Um, there was a financial prize, but maybe the, the thing that people like the most is you were exempt. If you won an Olympic event, you're exempt from taxes for the rest of your life. Anybody like that? This is the crown from the Ithmian Games. You know what it's made out of? Pine boughs. Pine boughs. Now, if you won the Ithmian Games, you received this crown, pine boughs. You received 100 stadia, which was about a year's worth of wages. Notoriety. notoriety. Here's what Paul's pointing out. Anybody have any uh, pine trees in their yard? And when pine needles die, what do they become? Like from my childhood, horrible weapons to torture grasshoppers, right? They're sticky and they're brown and they're painful. And so Paul's bringing this image to their mind. Like, you know that some people have won the Ithmian games. And if you just kept that crown on, five years it's like becomes a crown of thorns pretty much it's brown and it dies he says but here's here's why you have hope because you run for a crown that will never fade away it's actually eternal the race that you're involved in is a race that has eternal consequences so what are crowns because the Bible talks about crowns in different places, this being one of them. Do you know that there's only two places that I know of in the entire New Testament where crowns are described or rewards from God are described? Let's look at them. The first one is actually from this book in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. This is what Paul says. At that time, the end of time, each will receive their praise from God. You know what you run for? You know what you have endurance for? You know what you train for? Is this one day when you're taking your last lap and you're nearing the end of your physical life, that the God of the universe is waiting for you at the finish line and he praises you. He just says, just keep coming. You're almost there. Join me. I'm so proud of you. And he's not telling you what your time was. He's not celebrating if you were first, second, or third place. He's just celebrating that you were his child. And you ran the race your whole life. And he's waiting for you at the finish line. That is an eternal race. The other place that we read of crowns is actually in the book of Matthew. Jesus is telling a a parable, which is a story to help us understand biblical principles. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. A master's been away. He's put several people in charge of different things. He comes back. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things, and then get this, come and share in your master's happiness. One of the rewards, one of the crowns is this, if you can be faithful in this life, God will give you more responsibility in the next. And to hear him say, come and share in your master's happiness. You gave up certain things in that life You said no to things that people typically assume bring you joy so that you could join in your master's happiness. The master who is celebrating someone who finished the race. The prize has a proper name, it's not money. It's not more assets in heaven. A prize is seeing my creator face-to-face and being able to say, if he gave you 10 years or 100 years, dad, I ran the race. And he says, I am so proud of you. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.